The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Oh, good morning, everybody. Check, check, check. There we go. Good morning. You might be wondering why I'm wearing short pants, but it's because it's Baptism Sunday. So going to be celebrating some life change. You're going to hear some stories. It's really, really fun. Um, and we'll get to that momentarily. Why don't you go ahead and grab a seat, and we're going to look at Acts chapter 1 and 2 here. Now I'm messing with the sound guy, so that was, you know. Um, I want to take a moment because this is uh, Veterans Day weekend, and um, if you've served and you're a veteran of our nation's military, whatever branch you may be served in, would you do me a favor and stand? We want to take a moment to honor you and thank you for the freedoms we get to enjoy. So, yeah, absolutely. Balcony, main floor, absolutely. Thank you for your service because you are the reason that we get to have the freedoms that we do. So thank you for serving in the military. Um, Like I said, we're going to look at Acts chapter 1 and 2. I've got about 14 minutes to get through two chapters. So uh, bear with me here. You all are about to witness a miracle. Um, Acts chapter 1 opens up. If you A little backstory to the whole thing or if you don't know the Bible much at all, there's four gospels at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke was an individual that went around and got eyewitness accounts of what happened in what we call the gospels during the life of Jesus, his death, his burial, and then resurrection. And he wrote it to a guy named Theophilus because he wanted to share the message of the gospel with Theophilus. Well, the book of Acts continues with Luke as an eyewitness to what happened in Acts in particular, um, writing it down again for a guy named Theophilus. So it opens up and it says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all uh, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken into heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And what you might notice if you're picking up on it, again, we're going to get through a lot here, is as you look at verse 1 and you get to verse 2, it continues to talk about he was teaching. Jesus died on the cross, was buried, rose from the dead, and then for a period of 40 days continued to appear to the apostles or the disciples and, be, and was, were teaching them. So it says he instructed them, he taught them, but it gets more and more specific as you go verse by verse. It continues to say after his suffering, he presented uh, himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period, like I said, of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So he instructed them, he taught them more specifically about the kingdom of God. And then it's going to get even more specific. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. So now he's instructed, he's teaching them, he's teaching about the kingdom of God, and then he talks about a gift that is coming from God to the church, and it says this, um, wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says that, and the disciples, kind of almost out of left field, ask this question after Jesus just said that. 
Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because Israel, I've said before, was under Roman occupation. And they were wondering, like, are you now going to be the king? And now do we get to serve underneath you on your right and left and all that stuff? And Jesus' response is this. It is not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority. So he says, look, don't worry about trying to figure out the times and dates and details of what's going to happen. And I mentioned before at the end of James, which we just finished, the book of James, that that James says, be about the Father's business. In the same way, let's none of us get caught up in, in dates and times and trying to predict when Jesus is coming back or what's going on. Let's be about the Father's business. And the Father's business is that you and I understand what salvation means through faith in Jesus Christ and that we want others to see it as well. So Jesus says, you're going to receive a gift and you're going to be witnesses. And they go, are you at this time or are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? And he says, it's not for you to deal with that. But, and here's his answer, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. So Jesus says, you're going to be filled with power. And that word there, as some of you know, is dunamis. It's the same word that you and I get the word dynamite. You're going to be filled with an explosive power. And the purpose of this power is not to get goosebumps, is not to feel good. That's, that's fine. But the purpose of this power is that you would go and be my witnesses. And specifically, Jesus says, in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. How many of you live in the Pacific Northwest? Just raise your hands, okay? There's the ends of the earth if you look at a map and draw from Jerusalem all the way to where you and I live now. The gospel going forward over a span of 2,000 years brings it to you and I today. Jesus says you'll be fulfilled with power and you'll be my witnesses. After he said this, it says he was taken up before their very eyes. And then it says, as they're looking into the sky, a couple of angels or men dressed in white appear and and they basically say, men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking into the sky? Which which again, we all would be like, what just happened? You know, And, and it says, this is their report. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back. And that's the hope that we hold on to. And there's tons more what Paul and Peter write about the return and this whole trumpet call and rapture idea. But but then it says this, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem. Remember Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem and pray and you're gonna receive the gift that I'm giving you. John baptized with water, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It says, when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, Judas, also the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Remember, his brothers weren't believers in him as the Messiah when he was on this earth, but having proved himself being the Messiah rising from the dead, they now believed and were part of the group praying just as Jesus said, pray, you'll receive the gift, and then go be my witnesses. So then it says this in chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Quick timeline. At the, fe- at the uh, festival of Passover for, for the Jews, they, they honored God's faithfulness in passing over you know, Egypt and all that stuff, their escape. But then 50 days later, there's a feast called Pentecost. On the Jewish calendar, this would be the first feast to celebrate God's faithfulness in the grain harvest. That's what Pentecost is. And it's 50 days after 
Passover. So this is the point, chapter 2, verse 1, that we arrive at. Ten days before this, Jesus ascended into heaven. So for ten days, they've been praying and seeking God together, waiting for whatever gift they're supposed to be waiting for, and then it shows up. It says, suddenly, the sound of a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And this is the moment where, and you can talk about this whole baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence that, that speaking in tongues was part of it. My father-in-law years ago did a great teaching on why tongues, why, why fire is symbolic, the purity. James talks about our speech and, and it being pure speech. But anyways, it says this movement happens. The Holy Spirit, the gift that Jesus had promised, shows up and they begin to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Why were they there? Because the Jews had gathered to celebrate God's faithfulness in Pentecost. And they spoke all kinds of languages because they were from all over the place. And they had gathered to celebrate. And yet they see this movement that happens. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. It's a supernatural miracle, and it's the evidence of this gift being given to them from God to the church. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? This wasn't just some supernatural thing, and they went, huh, that's weird, and moved on. No, 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 they're paying attention, and at the heart they go, well, there, there must be something deeper. What does this mean? And of course, the jokesters in the crowd are like, no, no, they've just had too much wine, right? So then Peter stands up with the 11, raises his voice, and addresses the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you living in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. And that's another message for some of you for another day, okay? <laughs> but listen, Peter basically stands up like, this is the gift. I am filled with power. I've got to do something. And this is right where the church begins. Here, hold my scrolls. Let me tell you what's going on here. And so Peter stands up and says, no, no, no. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, this is Joel chapter two. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will uh, see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Talks about some of the wonders and times, blood, fire, all this stuff. And then verse 21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter is now preaching the very first sermon of the New Testament church. Fellow Israelites, Peter says, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to God, uh, accredited by God to you by miracles, 
wonders and signs that God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you with the help of wicked men, you could put in their Gentiles, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. And then this, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. There's some prophetic verses that Peter refers to from King David and the lineage of David and all that stuff. And that's powerful. And you can read that later. But for the sake of time, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently the patriarch David died and was buried, but he's a prophet and he knew God promised him one of his descendants would be on the throne. He said he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. Verse 32, God raised this Jesus to life and we're all witnesses. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And then verse 36, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So Peter stands up and says, you're wondering what this tongues and this empowerment is. You're wondering what this movement is is going on and what's happening. This is what it is. It's to prove that Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life. That for you and I, 2,000 years later, at the cornerstone of our faith as a church is that we believe Jesus Christ paid the price for all of our sin. That salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And for you and I that have been in church for a length of time, we believe that the, the central focus of our faith is Jesus Christ and what he's already done. It's not your good works. It's not you earning it. It's not you measuring out the good versus the bad. It's you believing on what God has already done in Christ, and that's where life is found, and it will always be about that. So then he continues. You're like, are you out of breath yet? I'm getting there. It says, and I want you to hear this, verse 37 is the clincher for the whole thing. Peter preaches the message, and then it says this, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, brothers, what must we do? And that's the question every person needs to ask themselves. When you hear what I've just said, what do you need to do about it? What action step is there? And if you haven't given your life to faith in Jesus, we believe wholeheartedly in the answer that Peter gives the crowd that is cut to the heart. They believe in what he's saying. They believe that Jesus did all the work. They believe in his death and burial and resurrection. That's the whole point that Peter talks about. And they say, what do we do? And Peter's response is this, and I want you to repeat after me. Repent. Come on, repent. And be baptized. We believe wholeheartedly that for you to have life, it comes in repentance. God, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I believe you through Christ paid the price for everything I've ever done wrong. I want to serve you. I believe in you. I want life in you. Raise your hand if you've made that decision before. Most of us in the room have made this decision before. If you haven't, I will say it is the most important decision you'll ever make. Peter says, repent. And then what does he say? And be baptized. We we believe wholeheartedly as a church, and we say it this way, the only biblical next step for people who put their faith in Jesus is water baptism. You can get connected in a life group. 
You can, you can greet people at the doors or look, play an instrument and be part of a worship team. You can park cars or be involved in all kinds. Of, you can learn to read the Bible. You can have a prayer life. You can do all kinds of things, but the only biblical next step for anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ is water baptism. You're like, why did he kick that? I just hurt my toe. Okay, Pray for me. Just kidding. It's water baptism. And you go, what is it about baptism? Baptism symbolizes the laying down of your life. Paul would say in the watery grave of baptism, coming up new in Christ symbolically. It's a public declaration of the outward transformation God has done or the inward transformation that God has done in Christ. And we're going to have a bunch of people in a few moments line up here and you're going to hear from, uh, from, from some kids, some adults about what God is doing and about their passion to take this next step. But here's the deal. And I know we say this on Sundays and, and over time you can say, well, it gets older. You said it before or whatever. But when you walk in, it's our passion to remove every excuse for why this doesn't apply to you. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, but you have yet to be water baptized, it's your next step. And we don't want there to be a reason. That, well, I don't know that I know enough. Well, I don't know that I've been in Jesus long enough. If you've been in Jesus for more than 30 seconds, this applies to you. Because over and over in the book of Acts, that's exactly what happens. They commit, people commit to faith in Jesus and immediately get baptized. Do they have everything figured out? Do they understand everything about how faith is supposed to work? Have they even been able to walk the journey of what's right and what's wrong and all the details of how we ought to live? Not yet. But the Holy Spirit has brought them to a place of conviction. If you're here today and you've yet to be water baptized, but you've given your life to Jesus, today's your day. And I say it because, and I'll just say it briefly, you walk in and if you're new, you saw this sign, says men over here and that sign over there and you walked in and went, oh babe, I guess you have to sit separate. I know that's dumb, it's cheesy, but that's not why. It's because what we've done is back here, we have dressing rooms for guys and we have all different sizes of shirts and shorts and we wanna remove every reason why it doesn't apply to you. And if you're a gal, the same thing. And while we have people that have already signed up and they're gonna get baptized, you're gonna hear their story, it's gonna be great. If you need to take this step because you haven't, remove every reason why it doesn't work. Remove every reason why it doesn't apply and take the step today. What God wants from you and I is for us to take steps of obedience. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet and I'm gonna pray in just a moment. You can balcony, main floor, go ahead and stand up. As I pray, once I end this prayer, people are gonna come up and get ready to line up over here to be baptized. If you know that I'm talking to you, I can do my best to explain it, to talk about why it matters, to challenge you to take a step. But my prayer at the end of this is that the conviction of the Holy Spirit would, would challenge you to get out of your comfort zone. And again, maybe you're in the balcony, it means walking down the stairs and coming down over here as a guy or down this way as a girl. And so we wanna remove why it doesn't apply. Remove every excuse. And if you need to get baptized, as soon as I'm done praying, I wanna challenge you, get out of your comfort zone. Walk over to the side, this way or that way, guy or gal and we'll take care of it. But we're gonna pray and we're gonna celebrate in a few moments as people get baptized. As they come up out of the water, can I challenge you to shout, cheer, celebrate? Because we believe there's a party in heaven over every person that gives their life to Jesus, amen? And so we celebrate, just like Paul says, rejoice with those who rejoice, celebrate with those who celebrate. We're gonna do that. Father, today, God, we can, we can set up a tank with water. We can get a band ready and put shirts on and I can try to say it as best as I can. But at the end of the day, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict any heart that knows, you know what? I gotta take a step. 
And Father, I pray for people to lay aside excuses, lay aside reasons it doesn't apply. I pray for your work to draw them out of where they're sitting. Father, cause them to make their way back and get changed and take a step and go, you know what? This is my next step. For some people that have been puzzled about what to do, puzzled about how to move forward, I believe that today provides an answer for some of those, that Jesus, what you're asking is for them to get baptized. Father, we pray for your presence to envelop. I pray for a spirit in this place of celebration. As people say, I've given my life to Jesus. I'm getting baptized. God, thank you for all of the life change happening. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.